Game day! Whoop whoop! What is up, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen? It is game day. So excited to be with you here on another episode of the Regulators Podcast. We are so happy to finally be on Amazon Music. That's right, you can now wake up on game day and say, Alexa, play Regulators Podcast, and you will hear my lovely voice coming into your homes, your vehicles, wherever you're listening. So, Let's get right into it. Week 2 football is here. Let's go through the games. To start off, let's recap what happened Thursday night. As predicted, the Browns handled business against the Bengals. A lot of people are already selling, selling on Joe Burrow. I'm not not sure what's going on for a rookie who had no offseason, no mini camps, 14 padded practices and is in only his second NFL game and had to throw the ball 60 effing times on Thursday night, I think he looked decent. I think that, you know, the the Bengals have to figure out a way to protect him better and put him in better positions to win. But obviously, as we said, we knew there were going to be some times where he made some bad decisions. There was one moment in particular where he tried to shimmy shake Sheldon Richardson like he was a 140-pound linebacker from TCU or something, and that didn't go his way. But other than that, the game will slow down for him. He will start to figure it out. I'm not, you know, sending Joe Burrow out to pasture after only his second NFL game. Um, So you guys need to simmer down a little bit on that. Having said that, the Browns did what they needed to do. Over 200 rushing yards between their two backs there. Everybody was fading Nick Chubb. And as we said, and we weren't the only ones, there were a couple other people on Twitter who said, hey, don't pull Nick Chubb out of your lineup, man. It was one game. Nick Chubb is still that guy. We can respect what Kareem Hunt brings to the table, but this idea that Hunt was going to completely snatch the starting job by week two was just ridiculous. So if you have Chubb and you placed him in your lineup, then congratulations. You're off to a great start for week two. Um, Baker Mayfield, you know, he looked sharp. That's kind of what you want to see out of Baker. And I think that with Kevin Stefanski and the offensive game plan kind of changing, I think that it might put Baker in a position to be really successful. I think that if they're going to ground and pound and they're going to get that running game going early and often, then that takes obviously a lot of the pressure off. We saw what happened with the Tennessee Titans last year when Derrick Henry just ran all over the entire league for thousands of yards, and that took the pressure off RT-17. So you could have a similar situation in uh, Cleveland. Now, I'm not predicting Super Bowls yet for the Browns. It was one game against a, a rookie quarterback, but you know, good for them. you got to be happy if you're in Cleveland to see them get on the board, especially after the abysmal performance with uh, the Ravens week one. So we knew... That was kind of going to happen in week one, but good to see them bounce back. If you are a Joe Mixon fantasy owner, you've got to be staring at him the way P. Diddy and Elijah Connor had that stare down. Man, I I don't know what to do with Joe Mixon if you are a Joe Mixon fantasy owner right now. Um, I knew that week one, his fumble that he had, I, I wasn't concerned about because it was his third fumble in like three years. Um, 
but the Bengals do not seem like they are going to make a concerted effort to make Joe Mixon a, a big part of their game plan. And when Joe Mixon does have opportunities, he's not really making the most of them. We ended up seeing Giovanni Bernard come in for several plays. I know that, again, it's it's week two, but it just it doesn't look like it's going good for Mixon. Um, I think he's going to be one of those frustrating players that when you do have him on your bench is going to be the time where he sneaks in for a couple of touchdowns or has a big game, but then the second you start him, he's going to end up with 45 yards, no touchdowns, and if you're in a non-PPR league, I'm probably fading him fast. I think if you can trade him and get value uh, for the greater fool who thinks that maybe it's just uh, early season slump, then I, I would do it. I would try to move on from Mixon. AJ Green is another one where if you're a fantasy owner, he's got seven points through two weeks of the season. Now, obviously, if you follow the show, you know he was on our do not draft list. Um, between the injuries and everything else, I don't think that it's the same old AJ Green. I think the same thing. He, he'll, he'll show up for some bizarre game week 11 where all of a sudden he'll score three touchdowns. Um, but other than that, I, I, I'm not high on AJ Green as it is right now. If you are a Uzama owner, as far as tight ends go, obviously the injury to him is in low to your roster. Um, you definitely want to target uh, Sample, who is his replacement, who actually looked good when he stepped in for him. Um, no, that's not a creative player that somebody just forgot to put the name on. That is Drew Sample. He is a tight end for the Cincinnati Bengals and definitely sliding into that starting position with Uzama being down. Now, my very first prediction for Week 2 it's not going to go over well with a lot of my Twitter base, but I just got to call him like I see him. If you listen to the show and you were able to catch the What Had Happened Was Wednesday episode, you know that I had to eat crow for a couple of my week one predictions. One of them was the Dolphins, who I expected to go into Foxborough and handle business. They did not. And now they are coming home to play the Buffalo Bills, who, in my opinion, are a much bigger threat, especially with Josh Allen and the ground game that they have there in Buffalo. So I would love to go with the Miami Dolphins and be a homer on this one, but you know what? The Dolphins have to prove to me that they can compete on that level. So I'm taking the Bills over the Dolphins. Now I will be at the stadium. I will be there cheering on the Miami Dolphins and hoping to God that they can show me that they can handle business, but Right now, I don't see it happening. So prove me wrong, Dolphins. Show me that you can compete with who I believe is the top seed in the AFC East right now. I've got Bills over the Dolphins for week one. Now, this next game is going to be interesting. We have the San Francisco 49ers taking on the New York Jets. Now, on the surface, this looks like an easy prediction because the 49ers should handedly just destroy the New York Jets. However, I don't think anybody anticipated the 49ers losing to the Cardinals last week. So maybe it was the sock in the mouth that the 49ers needed. Maybe Mostert is going to have 200 yards and maybe Jimmy G is going to ball out 
Kittle's obviously injured and he's not going to play, so that hurts the 49ers. But maybe they rise to the challenge and they handle business the way the defending NFC champs should. However, there's always that outside chance that they're sleeping on the New York Jets the same way that they weren't prepared for the Cardinals, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the worst offense in the league figures out how to put 22 points on the 49ers, and the 49ers can't hang or can't produce for whatever reason, and the Jets get it done. I, however, am going to predict that the 49ers do what they need to do, and they get this win, but this game is a pivotal game to watch for a number of reasons. Number one, if for any reason the 49ers start out 0-2 to start the season, that is a bad, bad look. I don't need to give you all the statistics of 0-2 starting teams to make the playoffs or to make a run, um, but I'm sure you can imagine that's not a good look, especially to lose Week 2 to the Jets. Now, on the flip side of that, Things are going downhill very, very fast in New York. And it's interesting. I've been having some discussions with a lot of Jets fans on Twitter this week. And the room seems divided. I would say that the majority are now anti-Adam Gase. They want him out of the building. But there is still that crowd of Jets fan base that says, Hey, you know, it's week one. There was no offseason. Let's let's see what Gase has in mind. And I more empathize, obviously, with the ones who want Gase out of the building because he was in the building in Miami. Everybody wanted him out in Miami. Thank God he got out. And then he went in division to the Jets. And if you listen to Mike Greenberg this week and saw all the abysmal stats that Gase has put together with every single one of his offenses that did not include Peyton Manning, I think that... The Jets are in trouble. I think that even though owner Woody Johnson came out in support of Adam Gase and said there's no playoff mandate, we believe in Adam, he's an offensive genius, I believe was the term that was used, which I, I don't know where he's getting his information from. Um, it's obviously not his eyes. But I think that if the Jets go 0-2, and, and granted, they're going up against a really tough team. But if they go 0-2, that noise is only going to get louder and louder. And I don't know how long you can sustain a season that's going to get worse and worse in a city like that, in a market like that, with the fans calling for the coach's head. I think a win for Adam Gase would be huge for keeping the Wolves at bay, maybe just a little bit. That's the thing. I don't believe that Adam Gase has to make the playoffs, but I do believe that Adam Gase has to win seven games. If he can find a way to win seven games, I think he somehow has the ear of ownership, and I think he can convince them that he deserves at least one more year. However, if he doesn't win those seven games and this season starts off bad, really bad, I'm talking they go 1-4, and 1-5 and five to start the season, I don't know how he makes it to week 8. I don't see it, but then again, I wouldn't have brought him in in the first place. So we'll see how it all plays out. I have the 49ers hopefully handling the Jets week 2 for the 49ers' sake. For Jets fans, if you're able to pull this out, 
then you know you have full reign to spend an entire week on Twitter telling everyone to STFU because that will be a tall task for the Jets to pull together and knock off the 49ers. So next up we have the Steelers and the Broncos. If you are playing fantasy, then I really hope you picked up Benny Snell off the waiver wires. It looks like John Connor's hurt, and even without him being hurt, Benny Snell went off in week one, and I think he is going to steal that job. So Benny Snell, make sure he's on your roster somewhere, and the Steelers, I believe, are going to do what they need to do to start off the season 2-0. and I think Juju and Big Ben are going to have a field day. I think that Drew Locke, again, he's still too green for me. I said it in week one. I like his potential, but he's just, he's not there yet. And I think he would have done a lot better to still be sitting behind a veteran because I don't think that he has, um, he has it yet. I don't think he's got it figured out. And some of that is just him trying to do too much. Some of that is him just not being able to make decisions on the fly very quick. But I think this is going to be a very, very good example of the wily old veteran who's got decades in the league versus the young kid who just isn't ready yet. Um, I have the Steelers over the Broncos week two should be a fairly easy match for the Steelers. What I am hoping is to see more out of Jerry Judy. So Jerry Judy has the skill set. I really want to see him step into a much, much larger role. I know people thought with Cortland Sutton being hurt that that would actually benefit Jerry Judy, but I think it's the other way around. I think as Sutton comes back, I think that will take attention off of Jerry Judy or if you have to split coverage between those two guys. And I think once Jerry Judy gets rolling, it'll be good for his confidence. And I think hopefully he will become the star that we all know he can be in this league. Another player I think that's going to step up this week is Melvin Gordon. We were very concerned going into this season from a fantasy perspective of how those touches were going to get split. When they were both in the game, those touches were really split evenly between Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon. Now that Lindsay is listed officially as out for the game with Pittsburgh, I think that Melvin Gordon is going to be a huge asset for fantasy owners. I think if the game gets away from the Broncos by the second half, then it won't be the best of days. But I still think that Melvin Gordon is obviously going to get his touches Even if he gets you 65 yards and a touchdown, that's at least 12 points in a non-PPR league, Um, more in PPR leagues if he catches passes out of the backfield. But Melvin Gordon would be somebody that I would consider starting depending on how your running back situation looks. Vikings-Colts. This one actually I went back and forth on because the Vikings defense looked so porous last week that I feel Phillip Rivers is just going to have a field day and light them up. Um, But on the flip side, the Colts lost to the Jags last week out of nowhere, and I'm really not sure 
how this is all going to play out. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. The Colts also obviously lost Marlon Mack for the season, which is huge. I don't think people are anticipating how much of a loss that is. Yes, they have Jonathan Taylor. Yes, they have Naheem Hines, but it's not Marlon Mack. And we'll actually get to see how those carries are split in week two, how much of the work Naheem Himes is going to get, even though we know he's mostly a pass catcher out of the backfield, which PPR leagues, that's your guy. If you're non-PPR, Jonathan Taylor, probably going to get the bulk load of your early down carries, um, but we'll have to see. I think that T.Y. is going to have a huge game. I am starting T.Y. Hilton. I think that Rivers is going to air it out, and he's going to take advantage of that Vikings defense who lost all their great cornerbacks from a season ago. Um, I do predict that it'll be a high-scoring game. We'll see if Dalvin Cook can get rolling, but I think that ultimately I have the Colts over the Vikings in Week 2. Now here's the game that all of a sudden becomes must-see TV. Minshew Magic. Is he going to be able to duplicate what he did in Week 1? against the Tennessee Titans, who last year looked like a powerhouse. They still have Derrick Henry. They still have Ryan Tannehill. I'm not sure if they have A.J. Brown because he seems to be nowhere to be found. And last I checked, it looks like he's out for Sunday's game as well. Um, this is this is an interesting one. Again, I'm going to do the logical thing and I'm going to pick against the Jaguars because I personally believe that week one was an anomaly. But Duval, again, show me I'm wrong. I will continue to pick against the Jaguars until it's done consistently and the Jaguars can show, hey, we went 3-1 and one in the first four weeks and then again, I'll start to buy in. But it just it blows my mind what they were able to do in week one. I feel like I don't want to get too hyped in on them and and buy in on that because, again, we saw what happened last year when Minshew became an overnight celebrity and then all of a sudden, okay, he turned out to be just a human. I want to see them do it consistently. So for right now, I'm still going with the Tennessee Titans. I believe in Derrick Henry. I believe in that running game. I believe in Tannehill to make the right throws when he needs to throw them, use his legs where he needs to, and not put the team in trouble. Ryan's bugaboo is always taking the sacks. Don't hold on to the ball too long. Don't take the sacks when you don't need to. Make the throws that you need to. Get the ball to Derrick Henry and just play Titans football and do what you need to do, and they should be able to handle business. But if they can't do that, then the Jags are going to look to take advantage. Right now, I have the Titans over the Jags in week two. At me on Twitter, we can talk about it. As a matter of fact, if you disagree with any of these picks, or you just want to talk shit in general, feel free to find us on Twitter, at RegulatorsPod. We'll leave the DMs open for you. Now the next game, Falcons-Cowboys. Cowboys broke my heart week one. They really did, because... I don't even make predictions for teams as far as wins and losses for the season, but the only one that I have made this entire year 
is I predicted the Cowboys to win 12 games. Now, they lost week one, and now I'm looking at them facing a team in Matt Ryan who threw for 500 yards last week. Despite the Falcons throwing for 500 yards, they were never even in that game that they were playing. It was never even close. They got their asses handed to them. So I think Matt Ryan is going to have a day again. I think he's going to throw for at least 400 yards. If that helps your fantasy team, so be it. However, I think the Cowboys bounce back in week two. I think they're going to unbreak my heart. I think that they are going to show that they can be competitive and that they are not going to be bested in the NFC East by a team that doesn't even have a fucking name. Okay? So I'm talking to you, Cowboys. Are you them boys? Well, then handle business against the Falcons this week. If you have Todd Gurley and you have to play him, this is the last week that I'm giving him blind confidence to start as my running back in fantasy because 14 carries isn't going to cut. And a team that looks like they're going to air it out and just have Matt Ryan throw for 500 yards every game, I don't know. Now, granted, the game got away from the Falcons when they were playing Seattle and they were playing keep-up. But I don't see them not playing keep-up in this game either. I think Zeke is going to get his yards and get his points, and and the Cowboys are definitely going to be able to put up points. So I think the Falcons are going to play keep-up. Now, how soon the game gets away from them, I'm not sure. But if Todd Gurley ends up with... 12 to 15 carries for 45 yards, then you got to seriously think about fading Gurley fast. Um, That's not what you need from your RB1 for sure. Now, Calvin Ridley, on the other hand, I am buying all shares of Calvin Ridley. He has already flashed last year, and we know what a capable receiver he is, but nine catches, 130 yards, and two touchdowns in week one, I'm buying all of that. So if you can get your hands on Calvin Ridley, make a move, do it. I think that you don't need to worry about how many games the Falcons are going to win this year. You need to think about the fact that Matt Ryan is going to be a top five fantasy quarterback because as long as he doesn't throw interceptions that are really going to hurt his points, he's going to throw for four to 500 yards. And last week, the only pick that he threw was a garbage time Hail Mary interception. So I think that if you can get a Falcons wide receiver, if you can get Matt Ryan, go ahead and snatch those players up. Um, Ultimately, I don't think it'll be enough for them to get the W in week two. I have the Cowboys over the Falcons, but we'll see how their offense shakes out as the season goes on. Now, an interesting development happening in Philly as they get ready to take on the Rams is that Devonta Freeman is being brought in for a workout, which has to concern you a little bit if you're a Miles Sanders owner because obviously he didn't play in week one. You feel he's ready for a big breakout game in week two. But what else is happening behind the scenes is the other running backs that are behind him just not what the Eagles were hoping they were? Or are they not that confident that Sanders won't re-injure himself and end up missing time? So... We'll have to see what happens there. I do like Miles Sanders in week two. 
I think he's going to have a big game. He needs it. The Eagles need it because the Eagles definitely don't want to start 0-2 to start the season. Now, from the Rams' perspective, they obviously won week one. They looked good. Um, I really need to see a big game out of Cooper Cup. You gave him all that money, and he was just run blocking all night. Cooper Cup is a weapon. He is an asset. Use him. Use him and just abuse that Philadelphia defense. Um, Robert Woods got extended. Obviously, huge contract for both Cup and Robert Woods in the last week. So the Rams are giving out money. I'll tell you what, ladies. If you are looking for a man that's not afraid of commitment, find somebody in the front office at the Rams because they are locking people down long-term and they are not afraid to do it. Um, I have... In the Rams-Eagles game, I'm going to actually go with the Rams. The The Eagles just scared me too much in week one. They didn't look like they were ready to play the game. They didn't look like the team that I thought they were. So, again, they, they have to prove to me that they're ready to be a contender, especially in that division. So we'll see how they handle the Rams. Um, but I have the Rams winning week two over the Eagles. Hashtag Aaron Donald. Hashtag cheat code. Hashtag big uglies. It's hard to say that a week two matchup can be so important in the scheme of things for an entire season. However, I think that the Giants and the Bears game could be one of those games. So Mitch Trubisky obviously made a very good argument last week for why he should be keeping Nick Foles at bay after all that money they paid Nick Foles. However, most of us who've watched football are aware of who Mitch Trubisky is. So, if he is able to go 2-0, if he's able to beat the Bears and have a good game, and I don't mean one of those weird 12-9 games where they eke out something with a field goal. I mean if... Mitch Trubisky throws for three touchdowns and 350 yards, has an overall clean game, and they win the game. I think that Bears fans have to start being a little optimistic. I think that you have to feel maybe something turned on in in Mitch Trubisky's head. Maybe the lack of competition that he didn't have behind him maybe lit a fire up under his ass that... There are certain quarterbacks that have never had that level of competition pushing behind them, and it's probably not made them better. Um, But if the Bears are able to pull out a win week two, I think that that's obviously huge for their expectations for the season. On the flip side of that, you look at the Giants, who, with Joe Judge, um, are obviously all new coaching staff and new regime going through the motions there. I think if they're able to get a win, then that's huge for them to pull up to 500 in week two. But if they have a loss and they start the season 0-2, as much as I don't think anybody was predicting Super Bowl from them right off the bat with a new regime, I think your expectations lower dramatically. And then it becomes a season of figuring out, okay, who do we have on this roster that is going to stay on this roster. What guys do we need to find out more about? But I think if you start 0-2 in that division as the Giants, that 
it's going to be a really, really tough battle uh, to get back into relevancy and and try to um, try to compete in that division. But then again, the NFC East is one of those divisions where it seems like nobody wants to win it every year, and we wonder if a six and ten or seven and nine team is going to win that division. But as far as making some noise, I think the Giants have to establish themselves this week. They need to go out and try to beat the Bears. I'm going to actually go with the Giants week two. I think that uh, in spite of in spite of Jason Garrett, who I'm not a big fan of, I think the Giants pull it out week two and are able to get the win over the Bears. From a fantasy perspective... Allen Robinson should have another big day. I don't know what to do with Saquon Barkley. Um, That offensive line is atrocious. Saquon was being hit before the line of scrimmage on every single play. He ended week one with a negative yards behind the line of scrimmage at first contact. So I don't know how the offensive line is going to automatically get better. I don't know if they're going to try to get creative with the screen game. I don't know if they're going to try to get rid of the ball quicker. But just sending Saquon up the gut to be buried isn't going to work out well for the Giants. Um, That's another thing that after two weeks, if Saquon doesn't end up doing anything, you really have to think about moving on from Saquon. And I'm sure you could still get good value because his name carries a lot of weight. But... We'll see. Again, week one is over, always overreaction, so we'll see what happens in week two. But something to monitor is that Giants offensive line. Next, we have an NFC South battle between the Carolina Panthers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, is this the week that Brady bounces back and shows, hey, I'm, I'm still that dude? I think it is. I think that all the shit-talking everybody was doing after week one, everybody saying that, you know, Tom had two horrible picks and he's done and he's washed and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, simmer down with that shit. I think Tom Brady is, again, Tom Brady's never that guy who's going to throw for 500 yards. He's never been that guy. But will he throw for 275? Three touchdowns, no interceptions? Yes. I think he will this week, and I think he gets the win over the Carolina Panthers. So hopefully we see an emergence of Gronk. Brady seems to be high on this Scotty Miller kid. Uh, I think he fits that Julian Edelman mold, those guys that Brady likes to use. And I'm not just saying that because he's a short white guy. It just happens to be a bonus, I guess, to Brady. But... 5'9", 174 pounds, quick guy making cuts and slants and everything. And for whatever reason, that's that's just what Brady likes. I don't know what it is, but that's that's what Brady likes. So he seems to be high on this kid. If he is available in your fantasy league, I wouldn't pick him up just yet, but I'd add him to your watch list. You know, let's see what he does in, in week two. Um, Brady only targeted him six times, but he got 73 yards, averaged 14.6 yards per play. Um, I, th- I think that he could be a star in the making in what is already a star-studded offense there. I do want to see more Leonard Fournette. 
I think that Leonard Fournette needs to show the Jags just how dumb they were for cutting him. I think that he should have a huge chip on his shoulder, and now he gets to play with the GOAT, and he gets to play in this offense with all these weapons. I know it's not up to him how many touches he gets and how much he's involved, but we know what Rojo is. We know that Rojo is not going to all of a sudden become Derrick Henry or Alvin Kamara overnight. So let's get Fournette in there. Let's give him a shit ton of carries. Let's take the pressure off of the deep game and then watch everything open up while Brady just goes to work and is a masterful surgeon um, against that Panthers defense. Now on the flip side of that, Teddy Bridgewater had a decent game week one. Uh, We'll see if he's able to step up and get the ball to his receivers. We know that the best receiver you want to put the ball in the hands of is Christian McCaffrey. He can do it all, and he can make defenses look really, really stupid. I think that the Buccaneers have a decent defense, and I think that Christian will have his work cut out for him, but he is just deadly. He has got that Barry Sanders effect where it doesn't matter how many times you get him behind the line, sooner or later, he's going to break one off for 50, 60 yards. So I'm sure that the Buccaneers will be focused primarily on Christian McCaffrey. I'm sure they will double-team him. I'm sure they'll have a linebacker spying him if somebody's crashing through from the line, no matter how it works out. But that's where it's on Teddy. Teddy is going to have to figure out how and when he's going to distribute the ball to other people if the defense is loading the box, if they're really keying on Christian that much, then you know what? Show them why you got paid all that money to come be the quarterback of the Carolina Panthers. Matt Rule, what can you design up? We saw in week one that it was a lot of those quick slants, a lot of those underneath throws, which is fine. The Patriots won six Super Bowls off of mostly that, um, minus the season where they were bombing deep to Moss. That's kind of been their MO. So you can win with that, uh, especially if the Buccaneers are bringing the heat. Make them pay for it. What if I told you? that a team in the National Football League, without an actual name, had 17 first-round picks on their defensive line. What if I told you that team had eight sacks in week one? ESPN's 30 for 30 on the team with no name, but the team with a hell of a defense. Will that be enough against the Arizona Cardinals in week two? I don't know. This one literally came down to a flip of a coin for me because this game was too hard to pick. On paper, I think that Kyler Murray and Nuke Hopkins are too much for the football team to handle. However, I saw what that D-line did last week. They just mauled and destroyed every O-lineman in front of them. I think they are again going to have five plus sacks in this game. I think they are going to be in Kyler Murray's face the entire day. The question is, is Kyler Murray going to be able to escape that and make the football team pay for overly pursuing? Or are they going to eat him alive? I I, I want so badly... To, to, to go with the football team and say that they're going to start the season 2-0 and because that would be the most 2020 season ever. The team with 
all the noise and controversy surrounding them in the offseason and all the question marks surrounding everything, wouldn't it be some shit if not only did the Washington football team make a run and be really competitive this year, but at some point something happens to Dwayne Haskins, not major, but just he's got to miss a game or something, and that game is a pivotal division game, and who has to step in to take snaps but Alex Smith, and Alex Smith throws for four touchdowns and wins the game. Wouldn't that be some shit? I want to believe in that dream. I want to believe that that is possible, but I can't do it just yet. Maybe I'm just too cynical. Maybe that's what it is. I'm jaded. I don't know. I'm 38. I'm single. Life's kind of been a bitch. So I might be hating a little bit. But for right now, I'm going to go with the Cardinals. I think Kyler Murray is growing very, very fast. Um, And I think that this is going to be a big leap year for him if he continues to play how he played in week one. And he will start demanding respect from a lot of people, myself included, um, who didn't understand why he got Offensive Rookie of the Year last year. Um, Didn't really see it from my perspective. But right now, I'm going to ride with the Arizona Cardinals. I've got them beating the football team week two. But I will say that I did pick up that Washington defense in fantasy, and I am monitoring that situation closely. So let's see. Can Dwayne Haskins help his defense out enough? Can he hold down the fort? We'll find out. For now, cards over the football team, week two. If you are a Texans fan, I've already said a million times on the show, I'm sorry for your loss. Um, Having Bill O'Brien run the show there is just detrimental to your ability to hope for things in the future. Um... Also, too, I don't know who you pissed off in the NFL scheduling office, but to start week one against the Kansas City Chiefs and week two against the Baltimore Ravens, that's that's tough, man. I mean, you, you guys were already put in a, in a corner to start the season as it is, but the Ravens are the Ravens. The Ravens are going to handle business. There may be one weird game this year like there was last year when the Ravens lost to the Browns, like 45-20 or something like that. Um, But outside of a weird game where everybody just falls asleep at the wheel, the Ravens are going to be competitive and they're going to smash people in the mouth all season long. The fact that they have Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins ready to just steamroll through every single defense in the league, it's going to be bad. You thought that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were forced to be reckoned with on Thursday night. I'm sorry, Texans fans, but you're not going to look great against the Ravens. Um, This is going to be a long day for you guys, and the Ravens are going to obviously handle business and go 2-0 to start the season. From a fantasy perspective, as far as Ravens players... The J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram split is interesting. I've been getting a lot of questions on 
Do I fade one of these guys? What do I do if I have both? Do I start both? Do I start one? You never really want to start both. I mean, it's, it's fine to stack your fantasy team. For example, I have Lamar Jackson and I have Mark Andrews. And stacks can always be nice. But as far as running backs, those positions are just too valuable to give away. Yeah, you're going to have games like the Browns had where Hunt and Chubb obviously got their fantasy points on Thursday night. But outside of that, you got to try to pick who you think is going to get you the most points. Right now, right now, I truly believe that it's Mark Ingram, but that's going to fade. I think that the fact that they are letting J.K. Dobbins take goal line carries is not good for Ingram's fantasy value. I think he's still going to be the early down back. I think he's still going to be the early game back. But if he can't get in the end zone, then what's going to happen is he's going to do the hard work. He'll have 30 yards rushing on a drive to get down to the 10-yard line, and then they're going to give it to J.K., and he's going to get the six points plus the extra for the yards. So something to watch from a fantasy perspective. I, I always hate those backfields that have two or more running backs, the dual-headed thunder and lightning, it's its always really tough. The only fortunate thing you have going for yourself is the Ravens have the deadliest rushing attack in football. Um, so hopefully there's enough of that pie to go around until you kind of figure out where those guys are going to slot out. Now from a Texan standpoint, the only guys I really have my eye on are Will Fuller, who I think is the real deal. Um, definitely start Will Fuller. If you have Jordan Akins, I think that he can be a great asset. Depending on how deep your league is and how many tight ends you're starting, Jordan Akins is an available tight end in most leagues, and he has the skill set. My only worry is how prolific that offense is actually going to be this year. I think the loss of DeAndre Hopkins cannot be undersold. And I think with him not stretching the field, that'll bring things a lot closer. Um, I think that could hurt the tight end game. But if you do get in those goal line situations, look for Jordan Akins to get his touches, get his routes. Um, somebody that I would definitely add to my team if he's out there and he's available. If you drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in your fantasy draft, I'm sure that after week one, you felt like the smartest guy in the room and you're popping champagne bottles. So we'll see if he can replicate that week two going up against the Chargers. Now, I feel like this could be a trap game. I am picking the Kansas City Chiefs, as I'm sure most people are, to win over the LA Chargers. However, I feel like this could be a trap game. And the reason I say that is when the Chiefs played in week one, they were the returning Super Bowl champs, they brought back most of their starters, they went to play the Texans, and they just destroyed the Texans. So I'm sure they're feeling pretty high on themselves, and they're like, oh yeah, we're still those guys, we're those guys who went and won the Super Bowl, this is no big deal for us. I think that the Chargers are going to give much more of a fight than the Texans did in week one. And I think that they are not going to be prepared for just how good Josh Kelly is. 
What I would really like to see this game is Josh Kelly and Austin Eckler on the field at the same time. That's what I would like to see because I think the Chiefs are not going to be prepared for that and I think that people are sleeping on how good of an athlete Josh Kelly is. He's averaging five yards per carry and just like when the Chargers plucked Austin Eckler out of obscurity and made him RB1, I think that most people are not prepared for Josh Kelly and I think he is going to be a great running back in this league. And once you have everybody coming up to crowd that box, you get Keenan Allen on his double moves, and he's going to do what Keenan Allen does. And he's going to make people just look silly. He's going to snatch souls. So I think the Chargers have an opportunity here to come out guns blazing and really show that they can score points and that they can keep up with the Kansas City Chiefs. So let's see. Let's talk about Sunday Night Football. You have the Seattle Seahawks taking on the New England Patriots. Let's take a look at Cam Newton. Now here's a guy who has the opportunity to prove that this wasn't a fluke. This wasn't just a week one win against a Miami Dolphins team who was completely underprepared and not ready to play football. We can play with the best. Yes, Tom Brady is gone. Yes, half our defense opted out, but you know what? That's fine because you forgot that Bill Belichick is still running this show. So, if the New England Patriots are able to come out and go toe-to-toe with a guy who has never, ever gotten an MVP vote, Russell Wilson, which is a travesty, but a guy who can compete with the best of them, a guy who has a Super Bowl ring, If the Patriots can compete on that level, on Sunday Night Football, start the season 2-0, then that is a huge, huge statement for New England. And you have to feel that they are still the team in the AFC East. And all that talk that we've been making and everybody else about Buffalo claiming that title, you have to start to question. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think that it's going to be a very competitive game. I think the Patriots will be up for it. But I think that Russell Wilson is going to show that he deserves MVP nods. That he deserves to be talked about in that discussion of top-tier quarterbacks, top-tier players. The fact that he has never gotten an MVP vote ever is, is concerning to say the least. Russell Wilson is the truth. And that man is a baller and he is going to do it under the primetime lights on Sunday night against the New England Patriots. And you know what's sad? If and when they win that game, people are going to say, yeah, but it's, you know, the new Patriots with Cam Newton. It's not the Patriots with Tom Brady and et cetera, et cetera. People don't want to give credit where credit is due. Russell Wilson is that man, and he is going to take his team to a victory Sunday night football over the Patriots, and I'm not fading the Patriots. I think it'll be an interesting but tough loss for them, and I'm sure they'll rebound right after that, but I think that the Seahawks are hot right now. I think Russell Wilson is feeling himself, and 
Much like Baker Mayfield some days, I think Russell is going to wake up feeling dangerous. Last but not least, this is my upset of the week. Monday Night Football. We have the Las Vegas Raiders taking on the New Orleans Saints. And normally I wouldn't bet against the Saints, but I don't think 150 passing yards is going to cut it, Drew Brees. I think that Kamara is going to have to have some stupid outside of his mind game because Josh Jacobs is going to make some fantasy owners proud on Monday night. And I think the Raiders are going to cover the five and a half points. If you can get those five and a half points from Vegas, I'd take them. I think Vegas is going to cover that all day. And um, I have the Raiders actually upsetting the Saints on Monday Night Football. On the Saints side, Michael Thomas has one fantasy point this season. That's right, one. And I think he'll get some points. He'll get back on the board this week. But I don't know. It's not clicking, and I get it. It's early for everybody. There's been no offseason, all of that junk, and everybody's still finding their groove. So I'm sure that by week four, week five, all systems will be go, and New Orleans will be that high-powered offense. But right now, I don't see it. And I think the teams that are able to establish the run are the teams who are going to have early season success. You saw the Browns do it on Thursday night. We know what the Ravens are capable of, the Titans. I think the teams that are smash-mouth running the football and getting the ball to their backs out in space, those are the teams that are going to be successful towards the beginning of the season. So let's see what happens on Monday Night Football, but I got the Rays to cover and to win. Now I just want to say, if you've made it to this point in the show, I really appreciate you. With everything that I have going on in my life, it is very time-consuming to try to do multiple pods a week, to try to keep up with the content on the website daily. But hey, don't cry for me, Argentina. I love this shit. I love football, and I love being able to engage with you guys and to have these conversations and have these podcasts. And it's actually my fault. It's on me that I haven't had as many guests on recently just because my schedule didn't really link up with theirs and I've had to record some of this stuff in the middle of the night. But having said that, I really appreciate all the support. We're continuing to grow. As we've said, we're now on Amazon Music. So whenever you're feeling frisky, just say, Alexa, play Regulators Podcast and it's going to happen. It's going to be right there for you. Remember, we're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. If you could find it in your heart, if you have a little bit of extra free time, we would love it if you could subscribe, if you could leave a five-star review. It helps us out, helps us keep doing what we're doing. And again, from the bottom of my heart, just thank you to everyone out there in Twitter land and everybody who's listening to the podcast. Week two game day is here. Time to punch in and go to work. If you feel me, I want to hear you. Let's go. 